Will you pray with me? Holy One, may the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the synagogue on the Sabbath, Jesus spoke with authority. We're not told what he said, but it doesn't matter. It's Jesus' first public speech. And all anybody remembers is that he spoke with authority. At that time, there were other professional preachers called scribes that taught in the synagogue on other Sabbaths. But their teaching was not like this. Their subject matter was the same as what you might have heard Jesus say that morning, but something was missing. They didn't speak with authority. The scribes were well-educated. They were proud. They were undeniably pious, but they didn't have authority. I love what Reverend Amos de Sasa, how he puts it, he says, their speech collectively sounded like a bunch of small talk. Just like we've done today, each Sabbath people would gather in the synagogue to hear what Jesus had to say. And on first glance, the people looked unremarkable. They, they had it together, you know, they had their suits pressed and their dresses tailored, their shoes shined and their hair done. And as they gathered that day, the, the normal conversations happened. How are you? How was your week? What's new at work? What's your mother doing? What's new with the kids, the grandkids? Did you catch the game last night? In other words, everything was going along just as usual. Nothing really noticeable. And beyond small talk, they barely noticed each other. Small talk, DeSasa says, is what people who only see each other in the best light every once in a while do, while they wait for a social obligation to pass. Small talk is like static. It's not sound. It signifies nothing. I'm not good at it, and I feel like I'm supposed to be, which makes me jealous of people who are. But we all take part in small talk, because like most of us, nobody likes silence. The technical term for small talk is phatic communication. Phatic communication is useful in some circumstances, like when you want to maintain some interpersonal distance, or when you need to size someone up you just met, or if you're looking to find some common ground, but most of the time, phatic communication is employed as a deterrent to silence. Evolutionary psychologists propose that we have developed a discomfort for silence over time as a defense mechanism. Think about it, silence for animals is still recognized as a prelude to danger. 
I mean, if you're watching a scary movie and all goes silent, you know danger is just around the corner. And we don't think much about phatic communication, but we do know about demons. And we do know that the only way to contain the danger of confronting our own demons is to fill up all that silence with phatic communication, sound signifying nothing. We've all got them. We're all confronted by demons in our lives that we cannot seem to control, things that have a power over us and rob us from fullness of life. The hymn writer Tom Troger, in his hymn, Silence, Frenzied, Unclean Spirit, writes, Lord, the demons still are thriving in the gray cells of the mind. Tyrant voices shrill and driving, twisted thoughts that grip and bind. Doubts that stir the heart to panic, fears distorting reason's sight. Guilt that makes our loving frantic. Dreams that cloud the soul with fright. Yeah, we may not call them that, but the unclean spirits still hold a power over us. And like the man in our scripture this morning, these demons are always there. We can't always see them. The demons are covered under layers of guilt and pride and fear and hopelessness. They thrive on situations where they go unchallenged. Our demons want to keep us isolated, away from grace, away from recovery, away from community. It's interesting to note here that this man is found in the synagogue. He's there among those worshiping that day, and no one seemed to be bothered by this. Perhaps he was there each week. Perhaps his presence was not all that unusual. Sometimes we just accept the power that overcomes us or the power that overcomes another. And so in church that day was this demon-possessed parent that needed to hear a word from on high to get through another week, feeling guilty about the fight they had earlier that week, feeling that her children were missing out on the kind of life she had hoped for them. And when the small talk stops, the demon says, you're not good enough. In church that day was a demon-possessed teenager that needed to hear a word of hope to hold her up. Weighed down by the constant pressure to succeed, bombarded with images of what beautiful should look like, she feels alone and excluded. And at night as she lays down, when the small talk stops, her demon says, you don't belong. Well, in church that day was a demon-possessed man that barely made it to church on time to hear Jesus preach. 
Anything that required movement was done slowly. He was so sick that his illness threatened to be the last chapter of his life story. He needed to hear a word of healing that reversed the terminal diagnosis the doctor delivered a few months back. And when the small talk stops, his demon says, God has given up on you. Oh, in church that day was a whole section of people that messed up or got messed over. And now they're exiled, separated from their homes, their family, and on many days, God. And when the small talk stops, their demon tells them, it's all your fault. You should be ashamed. Most of all in church that day were people that did not need to hear about God. They needed to hear from God. They didn't need any more information. They needed transformation. It had been a long time since someone spoke with authority. And when Jesus got to teaching, the gospel writer of Mark says that they were astounded. I like that word, astounded. When was the last time you were astounded? Our problem, let me suggest to you, is that we do not know how to be astounded. Something's happened to us. Don't you feel it? We're so cynical and jaded. Honestly, spend any time at all on social media, listening to the news, or even talking with your friends, and you know the man with the unclean spirit. We inhabit a world of cynicism and snark, of hopelessness and dread. These are our demons. They close off our imaginations. They isolate us from hope and always tempt us to believe the worst. But astonishment is the opposite of cynicism. It reorders our world. G.K. Chesterton says, the world does not lack for wonders, only a sense of wonder. To be astounded proves that things don't need to be as they are, that healing, transformation, and justice can be experienced here and now. To be astounded leaves you breathless, with your mouth open, silent. Today, we are so skeptical. We consider demons things of the past, relics of a period that has gone, that modern medicine and science have evolved enough to diagnose our diseases. Exorcisms are now performed by surgeons and therapists with years of training. Their authority is known by the diplomas on their walls. But I think there are still some demons that don't respond to medicine, and they aren't affected by magic. These demons can only come out by a miracle. And so every Sabbath, the man with the unclean spirit, he came to church expecting a miracle. 
In the church he went to, they had a Bible study every night of the week. And the preacher had a degree from the finest university. And the worship service was always put together just right. And after attending a couple of months, the man with this unclean spirit had all the information he needed about his demon. He knew where it came from. And he heard about a God that was more powerful than the spirit living in him. He was informed, but up until that point, he was not transformed. So every Sabbath, he comes to church with a demon, sits in the same pew, and goes back home still possessed by that same demon. But today, the day was different. Today, Jesus is in church. In the past, they had heard good sermons about God from preachers. They were accustomed to hearing about God. But today, they were astounded, breathless, silent, because they heard someone speak with authority. And that authority shook the very powers that be in that synagogue. Because you see, authority is not the same as power. Social theorist Max Weber describes power as having a coercive element, but authority is never coercive. In the New Testament, power has this external element to it. Power can be grasped, it can be wielded, it can be conferred, but, but authority, on the other hand, is internal. The Greek word literally means out of one's essence. In that day in the synagogue, there was a power that had overcome this man, a power that had a hold over him. But whatever Jesus said that day, it didn't come from any external power. He had no standing armies. He had no particular social stature. He certainly didn't have any money or possessions or material wealth. No, Jesus had none of those things. But when he spoke, he spoke with authority in his words, as if his words were connected to his body, and his body was connected to his being, and his being was connected to God. And, and when he was done, everyone was astounded. They'd never seen anything like it. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know what to make of him. Everyone was speechless. Everyone except for that demon that possessed the man. Now the demon was done. The demon lost his cover. There was no small talk to hide in and feed off. All the demon heard was straight talk. And so the demon rose up and spoke for the entire underworld of evil spirits that depend on us to talk small instead of straight. And he said, what have you to do with us? And then Jesus spoke again with the same authority he had taught. And he commanded the demon to ironically be silent. Say nothing. Come out. Actually, this is a very polite translation. The original Greek here would make you blush. 
The Greek word thymothetai is something you don't say in public. It means something like shut up, except there's a cussing element to it. Jesus is literally telling this evil spirit to shut the hell up. Shut the hell that this man has been living through for so long and come out. Uh, It was a healing without any medicine. It was an exorcism, but it, it wasn't magic. No, it was a miracle. Every other Sabbath, this man left with more information, but this day was different. Today, he got transformation. There are people in here today that are full of information, but are still waiting on some transformation. You know enough about God to fit in. You know enough to make small talk about God. You've heard that Jesus once exercised demons, and and maybe you're now ready to be freed from some demons yourself. The problem is, our demons, they need us to talk small. Phatic communication is their cover, their camouflage. They hide in our small talk, and they live off of it at the same time. And you know what? We don't mind. Because as long as our demon is there, we got a handy excuse not to talk straight. We carefully manage our lives at a comfortable distance from Jesus because we know that if we get too close to Jesus, something in us might become unseated and unsettled, set loose and set free. But in all of our work to ensure that everything is in its right place, and all the energy we expend on putting on the right mask on Sunday mornings to assure everyone else that we are okay, we tend to forget one crucial truth. That Jesus didn't come for small talk. No, he came to free us from what binds us to transform our lives into the shape of God's realm. And that means he doesn't abandon us to our unclean spirits, no matter what kind of power they might hold over us, because friends, there is one with authority over that power. One who wants more for us than what we settle for. One who loves so hard that he tells the voices that shame and the unclean spirits that keep us in pain and the demons that lie to be silent. And when Jesus responds to that unclean spirit, Mark is betting or at least hoping that you and I are going to be astounded. Who is this that even the demons recognize? What day is it that evil is being brought out from where it has been comfortable for so long? These are the questions Mark is helping us answer. Who is this? What day is it? This is the Holy One of God, and it's a dawn of a new era. Even the demons see it. 
And what they saw in Jesus that day was more than raw power. It was the power of love. And in that love, they saw the secret of his authority. For irony of all ironies, the demon's question of who will be destroyed is answered at the cross. We will destroy the Holy One of God. Our quest for power, domination, and control will build and accumulate until we cry out, crucify him. But it's here at the cross that we realize Jesus' authority did not rest in power. Rather, it resided in sacrificial love. It's in the breaking of bread and the sharing of wine at a table with friends. It's in the broken body on the cross, bringing, bridging that precarious distance between heaven and earth. And this is good news. Good news, first of all, because it assures us that Jesus came to do more than help a few of us find right religion. And secondly, good news, because if we can take this story with us, the story of evil telling Jesus to mind his own business, well, we will not be deterred when evil tries to tell us that our place is inside the four walls of this sanctuary talking only about our favorite hymn and what we wish was on the communion table. Because make no mistake, the powers that be are not interested in us finding something to say beyond small talk, particularly if what we say channels the same spirit that anointed Jesus. But today, Jesus speaks a word to you, a word to me, that may not help any of us know more, but will certainly help us all become more. For those of us with demons that have assumed control of our body and soul, may we hear the good news of a word spoken with enough authority to leave us silent in the face of God. And for those of us with a voice, may we dare take a step beyond the small talk and make some straight talk and make it with enough authority that even the demons recognize what dwells within us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.